Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. What do you think about when you think about silence? Maybe you say nothing. Yes, silence is nothing. But in the religious realm, it's interesting what people think about with regard to silence. There is a belief by some that when God does not speak, when he is silent, all it means is that God has not specified a way to do something. So they determine to look upon the silence of God. They do not see a prohibition as much as they just see freedom to do what they believe they want to do. So they believe that when God is silent, there is permission for man to just fill in the blanks. That when God withholds his word, all that means is that he has not told us how to do something, and it is left up to us how to do it. We then have authority to do what we think is best in pleasing him with the belief that we can actually guess what pleases him. And yet the scriptures clearly demonstrate that silence provides nothing. There is no authority in silence. Many today use the excuse of silence for their practices. Sometimes you hear people say, well, God didn't say we can't do it. When you ask someone, where did they get the authority of God for doing this thing or that? They say, well, God didn't say he was against it. Others have said things like, I'd rather seek forgiveness than ask permission. Their point then is to suggest that silence doesn't prohibit a thing as much as it simply is nothing. That somehow God has neglected to speak, and in so doing, he just leaves it up to us to decide what we want to do. But the scriptures provide a different story in teaching us about God's word and what God's word does in contrast to silence. Let's consider some examples. First, God's word is that which creates. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Prior to God's word, there was nothing. It's emptiness, a void. After God's word, there is order and purpose and life according to the design of his word. God said that what he created was good. So when God speaks, he creates, and what he creates is good. It continues so as established in the New Testament. When we think about the concept of faith being created, we're told that faith is not created by silence. Faith is not created by assumption. Faith is not created by majority. Faith is created by God's word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How is faith created in me? Not by my guessing what God wants done, but by my learning from his word what he wants done. 
If God's word creates faith, then we understand silence does not. Thus, those who seek to dwell in silence cannot be dwelling in faith. A second thing we note is that God's word directs. We depend on knowing which way to go to get to our destination. And we're fortunate in this age of technology to have any number of apps or devices that help to get us where we need to go. But the only way we can get to heaven is by God's word. The only map that we have is Jesus Christ. The only directions given are found in God's word. And if we do the things that God says, we're drawn closer to him. Consider the example of Elijah on Mount Horeb. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 had just defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. They were all killed. But Queen Jezebel, learning this, said that she would seek to make Elijah just like the prophets. In other words, she would use her position and her power and her army to find Elijah and kill him. So Elijah fled. And we pick up the account in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 9. It says, He came thither, this is speaking of Elijah, unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. What ended up happening here? Elijah had this great display presented to him of the great wind and of the earthquake and of the fire, but they told him nothing. It wasn't until the Lord spoke that Elijah learned what he had to do, which way he had to go, who he was to be involved with. It is only God's word that can direct us in the right way. 
And that's because, thirdly, God's Word is a guide. The concept of a guide is one who leads, one who goes before. Now, in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Jesus is identified as the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is identified as the Word of God made flesh here in John chapter 1, verse 14. So He dwelt with man. He walked with men as the Word made flesh. Later, He identifies Himself as the Good Shepherd, as the Word made flesh. He is the only true guide. Again in John's Gospel, John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. So Jesus said as a guide, his word becoming flesh protects us. God's Word protects us. God's Word guides us. God's Word provides for us. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So Jesus, as the Word made flesh, guides and leads and prepares. That is what God's Word does. It is active on our behalf. But there is something else that we can think of. A fourth thing with regard to God's Word is that God's Word alone authorizes. To authorize means to order and to give power on behalf of of another, to demonstrate that power. If I am authorized to act on someone else's behalf, then I can do things that benefit them. And so someone is given power of attorney to act for maybe an older person, an indigent person, someone who's in the hospital. The one who is given the authority can then act on behalf of the one who has given them that power. As the Word made flesh, Jesus showed power and authority. Consider the account we have in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. It says, The same day when even was come, he saith unto them, speaking unto his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, 
Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? The elements could not stand against Jesus, because God, who came in the flesh, had the power over all things that he has created. Just as in the beginning, prior to the word, there's no peace, there's no calm, there's no order, there's nothing. But after the word, peace ensues, calm is restored, order is arranged. We recognize that without God's word, there is no order, there is no peace, there is no calm. When God is silent, our only response is to reverence him and his silence. The prophet Habakkuk said in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Friends, the only way we can know what pleases God is when he reveals what pleases him in his word. Our final thought then in dealing with God's word is in thinking about that word, it reveals the action that we should take. There's a wonderful story in dealing with the prophet Samuel when he was a young boy, apprenticed to the priest Eli. And that account is found in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, Samuel was laid down to sleep. The Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lay down again. And he went and laid down. And the Lord called yet again to Samuel. Samuel arose again and went to Eli and said, Here I am, thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And it was then that Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he shall call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. Samuel was taught to do nothing until God speaks, and then he was taught to listen and to do what God commanded. He was taught when God speaks to respond in reverence, thy servant heareth. That should be our own response to God's word, to hear and obey. Far too many want God's word to be nothing more than a help and a guide when they want it to be. Otherwise, to them it only serves as a suggestion for what may be. They dwell not in God's word, but they take comfort in silence. But silence does not create. 
It does not lead, it does not guide, it does not authorize, and it provides no direction because silence dwells without faith. Will you dwell in silence or in the Word of God? Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you for listening to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. I hope you have a wonderful day.